And I'm thankful that, that God <laughs> interrupts us sometimes. You know what I mean? I'm thankful that God does it His way and He speaks directly to our hearts. Um, as a pastor, I feel like the series that we've been looking at is, is one of those revelations of God's plans. And again, this isn't like a profound series. I know what we're talking about. It hasn't been this incredible revelation, but ultimately what God has been speaking, and it comes to some of this idea of plans and purposes, that God's given us something in our lives that He really desires to use better. That something is our table. We all have one. Recall I talked in this series about Jesus and, and a lot of His ministry was about food. I mean, He was at tables with Pharisees or He was at tables with His disciples or He was with crowds and, and multiplying fish and loaves. But, but there's something that happens through the table. And I talked about, oh, probably about three or four weeks ago now, how sometimes we lose sight of how important our tables truly are. We've become disguised or we've become convinced that our tables aren't really that important, so we don't use them for our families and we don't use them for our friends and the only thing we do use them for is for what I talked about the next week, to clutter up. And so our tables just become this mess of stuff, just stacked this high. So that we can't use them. And so we talked that week about the importance of cleaning our table. Like getting our table ready to be used. Getting rid of the mess. Getting rid of the clutter. Getting rid of the stuff that's hindering it from being used how God wants it to be used. So once I realize I've got a good table, it's something good can happen here and I decluttered it, or I got it cleaned up, what did we talk about last week? Next, we got to do what? If we don't invite someone, what good is it? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recognize my table is important, I'm going to get it ready, and now I'm going to invite someone to actually come for dinner. And I said, you know, once you invite someone, you're kind of committed, because they're going to come anyway. So what's next? What we got to worry about now? What's for dinner? Right? I had a friend. Go ahead and pull that, that slide up. There was a friend of mine, and, and you guys will appreciate this, the next one, Irene. Just go to the next one. He had a sign in his yard, and he said, Beef, it's what's for dinner. I mean, it's a perfect slogan, right? I mean, in western Nebraska, what's for dinner is typically a pretty easy conversation to have. It's what's for dinner, Beef. When I invite someone over and they say yes to my invitation, now suddenly I'm faced with the task of deciding what I'm going to serve. Now what I've realized is a lot of times we show value by the menu we choose, right? Like when was the last time someone called you up and they said, Hey Joe, you want to come over? I have some leftovers from last week and I just can't wait to serve them. You know, there's, there's someone in our church who tells me a story, and I love this story, about they're, they're, they, were, they, they, they were somewhere else, it's not around here, so don't try to connect the dots. And someone invited them over for dinner. They said, hey, you want to come over for dinner? And he said, yeah. He said, well, what can we bring? He said, why don't you bring the hamburger? <laughs> Typically, we serve people what we value, Right? A lot of times, now there's occasionally with like Ryan and Michelle or someone like that that will, will experiment when they come over. 
But most of the time it's something we've tried. Most of the time it's something that we know is good. If you're going to come to my table, I want you to taste something that's good, right? That's why Rosemary, the delicious Cincinnati chili that she said she never wants to try again, she's all right. (laughs) That's why we served that last week. I love it. You can choose not to like it, but I value it. It's okay. You know, sometimes in our house, if you come over, uh, my wife or sometime, we found a recipe for Alice Springs chicken. What's that? You take a chicken breast. Well, actually, you cook some bacon first and you get some grease in the pan. Anything with bacon's good, right? I'm going to make people hungry today. So you cook up your bacon. You save your grease because that stuff's gold. It's liquid gold. You never get rid of bacon grease. If you get rid of bacon grease, you need to talk to Jesus. Um, but anyway, um, and then you take that grease and you take the chicken breast and you start to cook it in the grease. So you're cooking your chicken breast in bacon fat. It is good. And then you make a honey mustard. So we get some mayo and mustard and some onion powder. We make our own honey mustard. You put honey mustard on that thing. You put a piece of bacon on top because cooking it in bacon grease isn't enough. But you've got to add bacon to what you're cooking for it to be good. And then you sprinkle some cheese. You put it in the oven and it comes out delicious. That's what I serve. You come to my house. Let me say this. If Elta's coming to my house, so I'm going to invite Elta over for dinner. I'm not cooking steaks. And if Mike's coming to my house, I'm not serving tossed salad as the only thing. I might make him put something green on his plate, but that's not going to be what I do. Why? Because what I serve is communicating an awful lot. What's for dinner is really an important conversation. It's an important piece of reflection because really what's for dinner can affect the entirety of the experience. If Elta comes for dinner and I cook a western Nebraska steak and put it on her plate, she's not hanging around. If Mike comes for dinner and all I have to offer him is a few pieces of lettuce and a, and a tomato, he's going to have somewhere to be because he's got to have food. Either Mike, that one works for. So this morning, as we're talking about our table, I just want to think about what's for dinner. You know, and as we wrestle with what's for dinner, how do we determine what to serve? Like, how do we know what's the best thing? You know, we, we read a, a parable last week and, or a story of a, of, a, of, a, uh, of a king who was throwing a wedding feast for his son. And, and in that, those verses that we read last week, it said that when he sent out the first invitations, before he sent out the first invitations, recall those people didn't want to come, so he had them all killed. But anyway, he said he had his fatted oxen and his fatted cows ready. You know, there's something about serving food that we just have to offer our 
best. You know, when someone comes for dinner, it's just important for me to offer my best. Is my best always going to be the best? Maybe not. Someone else might be able to give you better, but just come have my best. Because when we're offering our best, people receive our best. When we're offering what we have, people receive. They receive what we're offering. They know. Like they know when it's the leftovers from the bottom of the freezer that we haven't gotten out in like three years and we forgot they were down there, but company's coming, so we're slapping them in. They know that. When we offer our best, suddenly it, it, it transforms the moment. It's like we're setting the table, right? You know, as I was wrestling through some of this series, I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and we were talking about the table, and I said, what would happen? He pastors a church in Indiana. Uh, he's got a family. Um, his kids range from uh, freshman high school to about Graham's age. And I said, what would happen, Jared, if his wife's a nurse, if you set the table, like you got the china out and everything, doesn't it change the atmosphere when people sit down? Doesn't it communicate value? Doesn't it communicate worth? Doesn't it communicate the heart of God? Just by setting the table. Sometimes we're not very aware of the atmosphere that we're setting. And so when someone shows up and the table's still decluttered, and we're, we're, we're cleaning off a spot or whatever, Pastor, you're talking to me. No, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just saying what, 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 we, what we do communicates our heart. So what's, what's for dinner? And all I'll say for what's for dinner is you just need to offer your very best. There's a story um, in Scripture. It's in John chapter 2. I think it's already up there, so I'll go ahead and read it now that everybody else has. This is at another uh, a wedding feast. This is the miracle at Cana. Then he told them, now draw out some, or now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. What had happened was there were water. Jesus turned to water and wine, and everybody's marveling over this. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned to wine. He didn't realize where it had come from, though the servants had drawn the water new. Then he called the bridegroom aside. He had this aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. What do they bring out first? Why do they bring out the good stuff first? Huh? What's the Scripture say? Why do they bring out the good stuff first? Because people get to drinking too much and they don't really know what they're drinking at that point. It's really what it says. Right? I mean, that's honestly what the Scripture says there. It says everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine. That's the boxes of wine after the guests have had too much to drink. And you save the best till now. Why? Because we should be offering our very best. I mean, that's just the reality of the word. We're to offer our very best. So what do I serve? Then I want to serve my very best. It might be the best hot dog you've ever had. But it's my best. Because I, I value it. Because I'm wanting you to experience what I love. And so it's my best. And it's received. 
people recognize our best. So then what's for dinner? What are we going to have for dinner? John chapter 6. They already had some fish and loaves in the beginning of this chapter and Jesus has walked on water. I'm going to start in verse 25. They found him on the other side of the lake and they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you had some good food. Not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. They said, what must we do? What good works, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. So they asked him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? And what will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be served, will never be thirsty. What's what's for dinner? I don't care what you serve, but make sure you serve the bread of life. I don't care what's for dinner, but make sure that you're serving the bread of life. What's the wrestling that the disciples are having in this moment? They're talking to Jesus. Jesus has just done the miracle of of fishes and loaves, and so they've eaten the miraculous. They've partaken in the miraculous. They've heard of the miraculous, the manna that the Israelites would consume, the manna that the Israelites ate when they were in the wilderness and they were hungry and they needed bread to live on and God provided this bread that came down and tasted like honey and they could eat that every day. They could go out and get it except for on, on Sunday, or Saturdays. But, but ultimately that's what it was. And they're saying, we've seen all this and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats will be satisfied. If someone comes to your house for dinner, I want them to be satisfied. If you come to my house for chocolate cake with caramel and pecans, I want you to be satisfied. I think we're going to have to make that one for the next meal. You're welcome, dear. There's a way for everybody to be satisfied. That we offer the bread of life. That we offer Jesus Christ. That we offer the bread of life that we've experienced. There's another verse where we're talking. um, Sorry, John chapter 4. There's a woman and she wants some, some Lord, she's at a well and Jesus asked her for some water. He said, if you knew the gift of God, who, who it is who asked you for a drink, 
you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can we get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and, and drank from it himself as did his sons? Look, we're going back to the Old Testament. We're going back to the prophets. We went back to Moses before. Now we're going back to, to Jacob. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I want to tell you that we have living water and living bread that we can be serving at our table. There is living water and there is living bread that should be served at your table. Yet sometimes we're so focused on the steak and salad that we forget about the living bread and the living water that we have an opportunity to share. Your table is a place of incredible purpose. Your table is a place where God can do the absolute miraculous if we Use it. If we serve it. Serve the very best. Give them the very best. The bread of life. The living water. And if I come to your house, don't forget the salt. I like salt. But I like it probably too much. Probably not healthy. That's why I don't go to the doctor. Don't tell me not to have it. So I don't want to say that. But I like to put salt on cured ham to make it saltier. I mean, I like salt. So if I come to your house, don't forget the salt. Sometimes we're afraid of being too salty. You know, I watch cooking shows with my wife sometimes, and they have judges. And you know, if they're going to knock someone, you know what they usually say? Wasn't enough salt. Wasn't enough salt. Don't forget the salt. When someone comes to your table, don't forget the salt. Serve them living water. Serve them the bread of life. But don't forget the salt. That's who you are, right? Matthew 5.13 You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Colossians chapter 4 Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace and what? Man, we're, not a, we're afraid to use salt at our table. There's nothing wrong with seasoning with salt. He said, make the most of every opportunity. 
There will be an opportunity where someone is sitting at your table. There will be an opportunity where you're, where you're sharing the bread of life with someone, where you're sharing living water with them. Don't be afraid to season your conversation with salt. Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You're the salt of the earth. When someone comes to your table, don't forget the salt. Don't be afraid to season your conversation with some salt. Don't be afraid to talk about God's love and what God has done. Don't be ashamed to talk about the Word of God or, 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 or concerned with, with how there is. Season your conversation with salt. Now, I'm not saying open your mouth and dump the salt shaker in. Come on, use some salt. It's who you are. What I got to thinking, maybe you can't serve what you don't have. Maybe we struggle serving what we don't have inside of us. So, I mean, how do you salt your food? Most of us have a little salt shaker on the table, right? Some of them have lids, some of them don't. We lift it up, we pick it out, we pour it over, and that's it, right? And what happens when we pick it up and we pour it out and there's nothing in it? What do we do? We fill it up. You can't serve what you don't have. So if there's not a lot of salt coming from you, maybe you need to be filled up. Have you ever been somewhere at a restaurant or something when they have like the salt shakers that don't say salt and pepper on them but they got like four holes and three holes and you don't know which one is which and nine times out of ten you grab the wrong shaker and you dump the pepper where you wanted the salt. What do you do? You pour the salt. You know, you can't serve what you, what you don't have. Get salty. You know, you're just the dispenser. The analogy Pastor likes to use, the, the, the picture God's given me for us, is the idea of conduits. I've shared this enough times. I'm sure everybody's heard this. You know, the old aqueducts in Rome where they had to get water from one place to another. And so what they do, they built these, these massive aqueducts to get the water from here to there. That's all we are. You're simply the vessel through which God's love, through which the salt of the world is poured out. I like using that analogy because pipes aren't that complicated. It didn't take a rocket science to figure out how a pipe works. And it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out why a pipe's not working. Why isn't a pipe working? It's got a plug. Maybe it's got a hole. 
I'm not too sure there's many other options on why a pipe doesn't work. Or it's not connected to the source. You can't serve what you don't have. There's a promise in the Word. Matthew chapter 12. It says, Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything? For the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up within him or in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in him. James chapter 3, out of the same mouth come praises and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Jesus promised, drink living water and what will happen? We can go backwards if we need to. John chapter 7. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. If you can't serve living water, maybe you should drink some. Because the promise of His Word is if you drink living water, the expectation should be that streams, not trickles, Streams of living water should be flowing from you. James says, man, there's salt water and there's fresh water, but he said that shouldn't be. It should just be streams of of living water flowing from you. If you picked up the salt shaker and it had salt and pepper, I'm going to be mad. Because the salt's supposed to be salt and the pepper's supposed to be pepper. Don't put them together. What kind of crazy person would do that? Yet, we live that way all the time. There's a scripture that says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You want to see what's inside of you, look at what's coming out of you. We don't like that. But we can't serve what we don't have. Jesus said in John chapter 15, Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
What's for dinner? I promise you when you serve the bread of life, I promise you when you serve living water and you season it with salt, you will experience fruit. You will experience fruit. What's what's for dinner? You know what what's for dinner? Jesus, my last scripture, Luke chapter twenty four. The disciples are on the road to Emmaus. This is after the crucifixion of Christ. And that, that, that dialogue says that they were, they were men who were literally without hope. We had hoped that Jesus was the one. We'd heard all these things. He'd made these promises, but then he died, and we don't, we don't get it. And Jesus is walking with them as they're sharing this confusion or lack of understanding, whatever you want to call it. And then it comes to the end and there Jesus is going to keep walking and they say, hey, why don't you stay with us? They still don't recognize who they're walking with. They don't recognize this is Jesus raised with them. But then something happens. Verse 29, they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's near the evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to them. Verse 31. Jesus served living water. Jesus offered the bread of life. Verse 31 says, Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. He disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? He had done all that. He he had seasoned it with salt. But it was at the table where the miraculous happened. It was at the table where the incredible happened. Suddenly, their eyes were opened. Were not our hearts burning? Like we thought there was something weird about that dude. We just couldn't put our finger on it. But then the table. Let me tell you, there's power in your table. Let me tell you, there's potential at your table. Let me tell you, there's revelation at your table. What's for dinner? What are you offering? I want to offer my best. I want to give them the bread of life. I want living water flowing from within me. I want to be so full of the Word of God that I can't help but season my conversation with grace and love. 
but how. It all comes through experience. It all comes through connection. We experience the bread of life so we can give the bread of life. We drink the living water so streams of living water can flow from us. We allow ourselves to be connected to the one who is love so that love may flow through us. If it's not happening, make it happen. It goes back to the Word. Remember the Word that came during worship that God has plans but something's stopping the gunk the stuff the set aside God's speaking He wants to use you I believe He wants to use your table I believe He wants revelation at your table Will you let him? Father, I come to you this morning in this room. And God, again, I think of the simplicity of this series. But I also recognize the incredible power, the incredible potential of what you have in store. And so, Father, for each of us, as we've, as we've looked at our table, and we've seen the potential of our table, we've looked at the, the clutter, and we've realized the mess needs to get cleaned up, God, and, and we've recognized that we want to reach out and invite God, and, and now we've got to come up with what's for dinner. I pray a simple prayer this morning. Fill us. God, I pray a simple prayer this day. Fill us. Let us have the bread of life. Let us drink the living water that we might be used by you. As they lead us in a chorus, I I'll be here to pray if you want to respond to the message that God spoke this morning. If you need to ask God to fill you up, if you say, Pastor, I, I'm offering anything but the bread of life, and I will tell you it is not streams of living water coming from me. I want an opportunity to pray with you. If you say, Pastor, I've been trying to salt, and my, my shaker is empty, let's pray about it. If you say, I've been trying to salt, but all I'm pouring out is pepper. Let's pray about it. Let's give God the opportunity to, to prepare you. This morning is a, is a preparation for what's to come in your life and in someone else's life with eternal implications. That's your prayer this day, that God would make you a vessel. That He would make you a vessel. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you be a vessel 
a salty vessel. Sharing the bread of life and living water wherever you go. Amen? Be blessed.